Volunteering brings light and hope to millions of people and illuminates the goodness all around us. I recently met someone who has made volunteering a daily priority in her life. Let me introduce her to you. I'm Garland McWaters, and this is the Spirit of Leading podcast where we meet someone who has answered the call to live empowered with character and compassion and courage. Maggie Bond is and has been an ardent volunteer of causes related to military veterans and their families and to causes associated with supporting people with disabilities and their families. And currently she is the lead program manager for Best Buddies International. Maggie, I want to thank you for joining me on this Spirit of Leading podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Let's start with your current project, uh, which is Best Buddies International. Mm-hmm. Now, I know you've really been affiliated with him for quite some time, so tell us about that and how you got involved. Yeah, that all goes back to why I do what I do. So I'm a quadruplet. Uh, that means four kids born at the same time. And out of the four of us, I have three brothers, so I'm the only girl. And two of my three brothers live on the autism spectrum. Uh, and so I first heard about Best Buddies just so many different w- in so many different lights in so many different ways. Um, but I competed in the Miss Oklahoma organization for several years, and my interview coach introduced me to it. Um, my passion and my message is inclusion at every level in society and culture. So inclusion in our schools and post-secondary education opportunities, inclusion in the community, inclusion in uh, being considered for employment inclusively, uh, and then independent living or just thriving in independence. And Best Buddies International literally addresses all of that. Mm -hmm. Their programs help implement inclusion at every level and facet in society and culture. And so when I was introduced to it, I just hit the ground running with them and became an ambassador representative for them, a volunteer, a passionate advocate for their programs and for who they are and what they stand for, because what they stand for, I stand for. It's the core of my life mission. And that just progressed into being an advisory board member with them here in the state of Oklahoma, being on their expansion board, just any way, shape, or form that I could spread best buddies throughout Oklahoma, I was going to do it. And that's all come full circle and now being a staff member with them Mm -hmm. and getting to expand their programs throughout the state of Oklahoma. Well, as you've uh, taken that message around the state, how has that been received? I mean, just with open arms. every Once I talk about Best Buddies and how we establish our programs in different areas of co- the community, whether that's in schools or in the community itself, people are head over heels in love with what Best Buddies does, who we are, our mission. The cool thing is we just had an event uh, this past Saturday how nonprofits have different events to help with fundraising, but also engaging in their mission. And we had sponsors who didn't sponsor our event that at that moment uh, for that uh, time in, in place, but they attended the walk. And when they saw what the impact of Best Buddies is doing in Oklahoma, they're like, I want to give to your organization. I want to be a sponsor for your next event. I want to be a part of this. And so we have grown in just a couple of months by several, a dozen to a hundred people at least, wanting to get involved with Best Buddies and their programs. Well, that's great. That's uh, certainly encouraging that when people see for themselves kind of what uh, something stands for and what's going on with it, they find a heart for it. Yes, exactly. And uh, when they find that and they get touched in that way, they're a lot more open to want to help financially or with their 
for their services or their time or however that goes. Absolutely. It must be rewarding to really see that kind of take hold that way. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Something that's really important to me is whether you have a personal connection to somebody who lives with a disability or not. I would love for this kind of mission, this kind of message to be personal to you in some way, shape, or form. And and most people find that in some way, shape, or form it is already mm-hmm. personal to them. Sure. Uh, and you said you grew up kind of uh, with brothers who were on that spectrum and you saw their life evolve, you know, firsthand. How did that affect you? What did, uh, what did you learn from being, uh, having brothers who were working through that? It's very different being a quadruplet because I had a, several friends that had siblings who lived with disabilities, but it was either their older sibling or their younger sibling. It's a completely different ball game to be the same age as your loved one who lives with a disability and growing up alongside them because you see things that you might not see if you're a sibling to an older or younger sibling in the public sector or in school. So I went to school with my brothers. I worked alongside them and I saw discrimination. I saw gaps firsthand. I saw discrepancies. I saw what they struggled with firsthand. I saw the bullying firsthand. I saw them struggle with making friends. I saw them struggle with finding jobs that would accept them or accommodate them so that they could thrive in the in the uh, company that they were applying to be a part of. I saw them struggle to advocate for themselves and tell me what they needed or tell our family what they needed or even just anyone what they needed. Mm-hmm. And so Best Buddies, of course, helps individuals with disabilities do all of this, but that's something that's personal for me to help empower and equip people right. with disabilities to do too, just on a personal level. Right. So seeing my brothers, so I have three brothers, like I mentioned, and Tyler and CJ are the ones who live on the autism spectrum. And seeing them struggle quite literally was the fuel to mm-hmm. the fire to the flame. Uh, and they're the, the purpose behind my passion. Yeah. Yes, and I know while living living along with that, yep. you see kind of what they go through, and uh, but that but you've been volunteering in other things as well. Mm-hmm. And so, was did that particular involvement with volunteering foster the other opportunities to volunteer? How did you get involved with those things? <laughs> so the veteran uh, involvement was completely different. I mean, yes, disabled American veterans, the DAV, that was an organization that I had worked with as well and had some made some friends and connections through that. And but my passion for veterans stemmed from a young age. Uh, I had family that served in the military and was just very passionate about our the men and women who serve, as well as veterans. And I remember when I was little, I was in elementary school, and I remember learning about how the Vietnam veterans, when they came home, people uh, did not treat them well. They would spit on them and just be disrespectful to them. And in my little kid heart, it broke my heart to think that people would treat people who served our nation that way. So as I got older, I had just had a deep, deep respect for all vets and of course our Vietnam vets and would make sure that when I would see one, I would say like, welcome home or something because I had heard that that was important for them to hear. And just fate would have it that when I was a sophomore in college, I stumbled upon this little military museum in Broken Arrow called the Broken Arrow Military History Center. And I fell in love with 
the museum and just everything that I saw. But all what struck me the most was that there was this this handful of veterans who are there all the time and there are uh, veterans coming in and out of this museum all the time and they just sit together and they talk and they connect and and it's therapeutic and and just so life-giving to them and so they gave me a tour of the museum and I just thought to myself well I I'm studying performance in school and business but I was like maybe they need somebody to help sing for their ceremonies or something and so I had left but then I walked back in and I said hey um by the way I'm a part of this organization I'm studying this in school and Uh, If you guys ever need a vocalist to sing the national anthem or sing for a military ceremony, just let me know. And so I walked back out, and then I had one of these, uh, a World War II veteran, run after me and said, I have an event coming up, but I would love for you to sing at it. And so the rest is history. I've been with them ever since. And so I just fell deeper in love with serving vets. And I know that I haven't served our country uh, in the capacity of a soldier, but personally, I was like, I'd, I'd do anything to give back to those who have served. And so I do that through music. Well, that brings up an interesting idea in that you, know, you, you always wonder what you have to offer. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, sometimes you think, well, I have to give money or I have to do other kinds of things that have more of a financial side to them. But a lot of times a person just thinks, well, I can't do that, but I can do this. So let me just offer yeah. this. And mm-hmm. then whatever comes of it, comes of it. And uh, lo and behold, you know, it leads to one thing and maybe to something else. And, and people sometimes don't think they have much to give. But mm-hmm. everybody has a little something, even if it's just a little time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I noticed that you've actually done that. I was looking uh, through uh, some of your uh, history on your, on your link. I think it was your LinkedIn, LinkedIn page. LinkedIn, yep. Mm-hmm. And you were talking <laughs> about some, uh, you just uh, help people pack boxes for veterans and things of that nature. And how, is, how have volunteer activities like that been a part of you know, your own experience? Yeah, for me, um, volunteering was just integrated into my life from a young age. Uh, I grew up in the church and would go on mission trips from when as soon as I could start in the in the program that the church had offered I was doing everything that I could I I raised money on my own to to pay for the mission trip I mean I was there and during our mission trip trainings like we would go into a full-blown trainings for these mission trips and one of those components was volunteer or service community service and so we would go help uh, different Mm -hmm. places throughout the community and just serve those different places in whatever capacity they needed us so the desire to serve was fostered in me from a very young age from my faith but also just from having incredible people surrounding me in that regard but I found my personal connection in it because I was born into my personal connection (laughs) with it with having families who served in the military from having my brothers who live with disabilities uh, it was just a given but to anybody who is looking to get involved in something whether that's in a volunteer capacity or in a giving capacity because both are crucial to the success of a nonprofit or to a church or whatever they want to get involved in it's all about what you care about 
and it's what you're passionate about. Don't volunteer or give to an organization where you're not bought into their mission or it's not sustainable. You've got to be passionate about it. Well, it certainly is a lot of ways that we can help and a lot of things that we have to offer. And I know we tend to really give ourselves to the things that we are touched by the most. Yes. You know, whether it's ministry or whether it's uh, working with a certain community or a certain cause. And so many of them rely on the goodness of people just to be a part of it and to help along some way because it's just very expensive to try and pay for all of that. So you have to give something to that. Mm-hmm. And I know it's a two-way street. You know, not only do you give, but you get something in return. Absolutely, hundred percent. Yes, it it is relying very heavily on people having a heart for it, or just truly just good-hearted people mm-hmm. getting involved, whether that's through volunteerism or through through funding programs. One of the first, uh, I guess, public mentions I remember of this goes back to uh, the presidency of George Herbert Walker Bush. Well, he talked about the thousand points of light. And I was familiar with uh, him saying that, but I didn't recall, remember how, how often he said that. He said it is part of his campaign, and he said it is part of his inaugural speech and other kinds of things, and where he really believed in volunteerism and the value of people just giving a little something and how that really changed the, or illuminated us and changed the landscape, you know, of... Uh, of community service. He was very passionate, passionate about that. Mm -hmm. And so I think he really brought that to the front and other political figures, you know, along the way, and public figures have brought the idea of volunteerism up and encouraging people to participate. And I'm part of a group called Next Gen Under 30. And one of the things Mm -hmm. that we do, or that we, that we, uh, we promote is the value of young people at young ages engaging in their community through volunteer efforts and things of that nature. And we see see a lot of that actually, more than I I actually thought I would see. We see a lot of people involved in doing that. of makes me want to ask uh, you know what have you learned along the way about things that are helping you in those professional areas as well from the service that you have put forth as a volunteer what's ironic so this goes into an area too um that is so integral into what who i am today <laughs> when it all boils down to it who i am today and how i can do what i do um And that was when I competed in the Miss Oklahoma organization, Mm -hmm. when I participated in the Miss Oklahoma organization. And I had learned that I had to have, you know, national partnership with a nonprofit and that that helped leverage your message with your platform or what they refer to now as community service initiative. And so I knew obviously what my my platform would be but i i was so young and i was like how do you partner with a national nonprofit or a state nonprofit little did i know that nonprofits are always looking for people who are influencers or in an influential position to partner with them i'm thinking uh, on the other side of that though when i was just this young girl trying to figure this out how do i do this and how do i get involved well as I grew and learned and and got more confident in myself and in my message, I was partnering with multiple nonprofits mm-hmm. that that brought an awareness to different disability conditions and what they did for fundraising. And I would attend their galas and their fundraisers, and I would just be a part of all of this. And I did this for about a decade. 
And that was before I got formally staffed or formally employed by nonprofits. But I didn't realize how much I was learning and growing in those moments Mm -hmm. until I started working in nonprofit and look back and realize how much I was, I was taking in during those times I was serving. That was the sole purpose as to why I was there was serving and bringing awareness to their mission. But I was in, you know, retrospect. And now that I'm in that in hindsight, I was being prepared in so many ways for where I'm at now, what I do now. Because Miss Oklahoma fostered that that public speaking, uh, interview, just refining those skills, building that confidence within yourself, discovering who you are, uh, and then me taking the initiative to get those nonprofit connections and learn and grow in that way was just, you know, piling on layers to that experience, but then going into nonprofit and realizing how vital these components are, these layers were over the years. Um, it's all full circle now. And Best Buddies was one of my primary partnerships during that time because it met every component to my to what I was what I was speaking about, what my message was about. And so it's all full circle now. And I see that those years that I was volunteering and giving of my time to serve a mission that was greater than myself to help serve people who live with disabilities of different capacities. Uh, is now serving me in so many incredible ways now because I have so many powerful networks and connections throughout the state of Oklahoma to spread and expand how Best Buddies can not only serve communities throughout Oklahoma, but collaborate with those Mm -hmm. organizations that I had partnered with. Well, uh, well, that's certainly impressive to hear because I'm looking at your, I was looking at your resume and I, saw, and I see that you're pretty prolific in the pageant world. And uh, I mean, the first thing that ever came up was uh, all the way back to 2013 when you were Miss Broken Arrow's Outstanding Teen or mm-hmm. one of the Outstanding Teens. Yes. Now, what was that program about? Yeah, I was Miss Broken, so all of, you had to win a local uh, pageant or competition to qualify for the state level. Right. So I started as a teen. I was 16 years old. Uh, pageants were not in my line of sight. I grew up a tomboy. Like I said, I've got three brothers and I grew up playing sports. Uh, I was a, a very gifted athlete as, as the years went on through that. And so pageants were not in my wheelhouse. They were not in my specialty, but I also grew up performing Uh, I started performing when I was three in the church and how I came into actually participating and how I became Miss Broken Arrow's Outstanding Teen was during a performance class at school. Mm -hmm. The director of the organization came in and talked about it because you have to have a talent. I entered the pageant. Uh, my first ever, I didn't have a dress. I, I think I borrowed one or we bought a super cheap one somewhere and I won. It was the first pageant I'd ever done and I won it and I was just going in blind. And so like it was a whole, whole chaotic whirlwind. But from there, like I said, I did learn, I did grow. So I took a break my senior year because I had the chance to be a lead, one of the leads in my musical at the school. Uh, because I went to Broken Arrow, but we are also invited to sing at Carnegie Hall. So I took a break that year to be able to do those endeavors, which were amazing. And then my freshman year of college, I was Miss Broken Arrow. Mm -hmm. So that was my first year at Miss Oklahoma. Uh, My junior year of college, I was Miss Tulsa. And then my senior year, I was Miss Oklahoma City University. And after that, I went back and I was Miss Broken Arrow again. 
and then ended my time in the Miss Oklahoma organization as Miss right. Bricktown. There were a couple years where I was, we were just figuring it out, but they were, they were still phenomenal. You have a board, you have a director. I mean, it's almost like each local title is, it almost feels like a little nonprofit mm -hmm. in itself, like its own company. Uh, it's amazing. Now that I look back at it from the outside looking in, uh, and I always had phenomenal titles, like with great boards and great directors. Mm -hmm. Each title that I had ironically represented home, like a part of my home. So that was incredibly special to me. Um, but yeah, you would not believe all the different things that I did over the years to, to come out the way that I am now to come out who I am now. Um, but each one was like peeling back the layers of an onion. It just got me deeper and deeper to my core. And, and it's, and a lot of people would think that pageants are surface level. They're all about the glitz and the glam, but not in the Miss America, Miss Oklahoma system in the Miss Oklahoma organization. It is all about being your most authentic self. Mm -hmm. And obviously that's a journey. And that was a journey that a deep journey that I went on throughout my years in Miss Oklahoma, uh, with every layer and everything that I did. But I will say that the, the way that I speak, how I can speak, um, my talent, how I fostered that all of those things were stewarded by my experiences with Miss Oklahoma. And it's not just about competing at the competition. There are so many things you go in beyond training. You right. have to sell ad pages mm -hmm. to even be able to compete. So you're learning mm -hmm. sales and how to market yourself because they're giving to you. And that money goes back into the scholarships. And I, I won over, I want to say $55,000, $60,000 in scholarships for college through my, my time mm -hmm. participating with them. So there are so many facets and components that go into, into the benefits of, of competing. Um, and they're, they're definitely ones you would not think. Right. What about some of the friendships and partnerships you made along the way? How did those play out you know, down the road for you? Yeah. I mean, I, I talked a little bit about how like the nonprofits I partnered with then are, are friends and people I get to connect with now. Um, but you know, you make sincere and solid friendships with the women that you compete with. And the cool thing is, is some of those women have started businesses already some of them will start businesses in the future that they don't right. even know they'll start. But the fact that you get to collaborate and meet with these women and become friends with them and connect with them, those are future connections that you get to have if it aligns with something you do in the future and, and a great point of collaboration. So I find myself doing that now with some of the women that I got to compete with. Right. It seemed to me that also crosses a lot of lines of, uh, professional interests and uh, let's say professional disciplines you know they're from all different kinds of of things that they do whether it might be uh banking or accounting or law, mm -hmm. or, law or whatever it might be uh stem programs and so yep. forth mm -hmm. uh those people all come together in a competition or an area like this or experience like this and so it's not just like just one silo of a certain kind of person it's a real broad-based it seems mm -hmm. to be a very very broad-based connection yes. Yes, that, uh, that, uh, that you could take advantage of and meet and grow, grow with. It's like a melting pot of all different kinds of people and interests and careers and fields. That's another, I think another reason why uh, Miss America expanded the age range to uh, 28 now hmm. is because I think they, they understand that there are women out there doing incredible things and that are eligible to compete. 
And I think they wanted to offer those opportunities of these women who might be in more mature roles to, to you know, not only vie for the title of Miss Oklahoma and Miss America and bring their leadership and entrepreneurship to that, but also to mentor the girls that are younger than them right. because these are women who are still in college from their senior year in high school to their, and, and beyond that, you get a teen. So you're mentoring a, a teenager mm -hmm. Uh, each title for the most part does. There are some that don't, but um, I always had a teen. And then you also get to impact two, two, up to two young girls called Miss Oklahoma Stars. So you're directly impacting each generation right. that is going to grow up and do their own thing, but also has the possibility of competing someday. Well, well, that's, uh, and, and as you think about the ones you've talked to, uh, are there, uh, are there individuals who who remain mentors to you, who you came in contact with during that time, that have remained part of you know your own growth and and uh, your progress that you're making professionally? Absolutely, I still talk to some of my former directors that were were leaders for me during the time I competed. Uh, I still reach back out to them, and uh, they are just incredible supports. And I mean, even older women that I competed with that I was younger when I mm -hmm. was in that, uh, in their older competing phase when they were aging out, I still reach back out to them and, and we still stay in contact. Uh, and I learn and grow so much from them still. Uh, so yes, absolutely. You're not just forming friendships and everything and, and being a mentor to other women, but yeah, you definitely retain those relationships and friendships with the people who mentor you. Well, it would seem to me that that really is the foundation of almost all communities, is that uh, a community is people engaging with each other to mm -hmm. make it better in some way. And that's mm -hmm. sort of what I mean by being empowered, is that the empowered look around and say, well, how can we make this better? I say, I call it a, uh, unleashing the creative energy of God love to make the world around you more joyful and wholesome. Absolutely. And, uh, and to me, that would be what communities should be, could be doing, is to look around and say, well, we can make this better. I mean, we can help. We can, we can encourage, uh, you know, certain developments, certain uh, characters and things of that nature. And, uh, and this kind of involvement when you're young turns out, it would seem to me, turns out to be something that really sustains the sustains the community and sustains yourself, you know, professionally mm -hmm. as you move forward. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that probably lights the fire for some other aspirations that you might have. Uh, what are you thinking about down the road? I mean, you're still very young. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I acknowledge that I'm young and I still have so much to learn and so much to grow. I would eventually love to go to law school. Um, we cross our fingers with a scholarship. Mm -hmm. My brother, um, I can say that uh, law schools do offer full ride scholarships because my brother's on right yeah. one right now at OU Law <laughs> yeah, and he's about to graduate. But that is certainly an aspiration of mine. And then I would love to take just this passion, this knowledge uh, and speak with legislators and eventually right. run for office someday. Yeah, I would love to to impact at a legislative level, because if I have learned anything in the last decade of being a part of this message and what I stand for, but also in nonprofit work too. Nothing really gets done in the beginning of everything starts at legislation. Absolutely right about that. And uh, I would certainly uh, sort of echo that uh, because I really, I, when I teach leadership a lot, I talk about sponsors. And the sponsors are the people who are, who have the say to say, okay, now it's going to be different. 
mm-hmm. those are the people that we have as legislators or uh, any elected official, mm-hmm. let's say school board or city council or county commissioner or county, you know, some elected official has entrusted in them the opportunity in working with other elected officials in their group to say, okay, well, we can make the changes here. We can validate those. We can institutionalize them. And, uh, and that gets the whole community moving in a direction. And uh, I would certainly encourage any young person to get involved in that process as early as possible mm-hmm. and to really understand it, understand the value of not only sponsorship but advocacy, mm-hmm. uh, talking to those people and as an advocate becoming a sponsor, which that does happen from time to yeah. time, and, uh, and looking for ways to really constructively make things better, deal with the issues and not necessarily a party affiliation because uh, hopefully yeah. we can kind of – get back to the core of governance, which is making our communities better, and uh, let that be the focus, you know, how do we contribute to the... And especially here in Oklahoma, um, just having worked again in in this advocacy role for people who live with disabilities, there is a lot of need, uh, especially Mm -hmm. at the state level for them to see and truly know and embrace and understand the depths of need for our disabled Oklahoma residents. Right. And yeah. so just seeing that firsthand and, and having gotten to speak with some of our state leaders sure. about this and and getting to speak with representatives uh, from my district and others and, and getting connected because uh, Best Buddies has a government relations team mm-hmm. that gets to reach out to, to those connections sure. as well. It's become abundantly more clear to me now more than ever after all the years of my experience with this. Uh, and I, again, acknowledge that I am young and the amount that I have sure. learned now and from what people have experienced for decades is shocking. But now more than ever, Oklahoma needs a strong group of voices who are as passionate as I am uh, and, and match that energy. And we've got to, we've got to do something about it right. and, and and initiate well change. i certainly agree and i could and i commend you on that passion to want to be involved in that in it in that way it seems like a arduous almost impossible thing to do at times but it's really not uh, once you get involved uh, and have sort of a message uh, and and a following and supporting from that message that kind of takes hold now mm-hmm. usually you know pol- politicians have to sort of expand their message a little bit but if they have a real core sense of what they want to be about and what they stand for, that, that goes a long way. Yeah. And, uh, and so this idea of leadership at that, at that uh, you know, at a younger age really is admirable, and I really commend you for that. And I want to ask you, you know, as we kind of wrap this up, uh, certain lessons of leadership that you think you've learned that really kind of get you in this place that you, that you would pass along to others and say, yeah. here's what I've been able to learn from my experiences, and maybe this would be helpful to you as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... It's funny, I always get asked in in networking groups or, and I mean, I'm usually like the youngest one there, but uh, we have these really productive discussions. And of course, there are those cheesy questions that aren't cheesy at all because um, they prov- they invoke beautiful discussions. But I get asked, what what is a great leader? And to me, a great leader is authentic. They're not two-faced or they go behind people's backs or anything like that. They are just who they are. They're upfront and they're personable that you don't have to agree with everything that 
is required to be agreed with, um, but that you're just yourself and that you're personable. And um, another thing that's crucial to me, and, and this is something I've learned having worked under leaders and, and being leader myself, is always to stay humble and allow yourself to be humbled <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, because you're going to meet people who are younger than you and know more to some capacity, to some extent, or they're doing something that's never been done and it's exciting and we should never be threatened by the people around us who who know more, whether they're younger than us or older than us, no matter what, um, we should be learning from each other. And at the heart of it all, to every leader, um, we should be collaborating. We should be celebrating our strengths together, not being threatened by them and and working together to make our communities, our businesses, our nonprofits, our state a better place. Well, I hardly agree, and so I'll say my amen to that. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and really encourage you to, to keep that spirit up, that spirit of leading up, so that uh, you can demonstrate you know, kind of what that is. So that's what our, this podcast is kind of about, to say there is a certain spirit of leading that goes with that, and it really is a spirit of service mm-hmm. and of caring about your community and other things, maybe more than yourself, in the sense you see yourself as a servant in that regard and not necessarily the one to be served. And uh, to me, that's a big difference. Mm-hmm. You know, leaders Absolutely. of service, they're not sitting, waiting around to be congratulated or, yeah. you know, adulated or whatever, you know, they are. But uh, yeah. they really are servants. Public service is sort of what I think of when I think of leadership. And and funny thing that you mentioned servant leadership, I went to Oklahoma City University, and that is in their motto is that they're, mm-hmm. they raise up servant leaders. That's funny because I, I mean, that literally just occurred to me, but it's true, Um I have to give some credit to that, Mm -hmm. that they really did foster that spirit in us as students. But um, beyond that, everything that has shaped me into who I am today, you know, all goes back to my brothers and and that spirit of service and and servant leadership. And I absolutely agree with you on that, that I think of those people too. Well, uh, congratulations on a good good start. And uh, we started (laughs) very young as we've heard and uh, is growing. And we certainly want to encourage you on your journey of leadership and uh, service, you know, with uh, best buddies and whatever comes next. Absolutely. Because I'm sure there will be many, many more opportunities down the road. And uh, we hope that uh, this uh, podcast will be an example to others who are contemplating similar kinds of things and just want the encouragement. Oh, somebody's done that, so I guess I can too. Absolutely. We'll pass that along. Well, Maggie, thanks so much for taking time today to spend a little bit of your time with uh, us talking about your own experience and encouraging us in your own way that we can do the same kind of thing. Absolutely. Thank you again so much for having me. I truly appreciate it. You're welcome. That's Maggie Bond. She's the lead program manager for Best Buddies International, who's a volunteer and advocate for diversity, inclusion, and others living with disabilities to help them live a much more rewarding life. Well, that's it for this installment of the Spirit of Leading podcast, and I want to thank you for listening. I also encourage you to recognize and appreciate anyone who demonstrates the spirit of leading at work and in the community. Join us on The Empowered Way by subscribing, and I'll send you my interactive book, The Seven Tenets of Living Empowered. You can keep up with my latest podcast or my latest post in my weekly Empowering Thoughts series, all free for the asking. So please share this podcast with your friends and colleagues, and until next time, I urge you to live empowered each and every day and unleash your creative energy. 
enliven the heart, enlighten the mind, encourage the spirit, and enlarge the expectations of living in yourself and in others. And let everyone see the spirit of leading in you. I'm Garland McWaters. Thank you.